0: Welcome to Voices in Physics, a podcast that explores the culture in physics through interviews with people in the field. So thank you so much for sitting down with me. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk about your experiences in in physics culture. Uh, Would you like to introduce yourself? Um, Thank you for listening to me and my
1: experiences. I am an assistant professor in an R2 university. Uh, I'm a physicist by training, and I do uh, teach and uh, conduct research in physics topics, m- mostly materials. And your undergrad and grad were at
0: what types of um, institutions?
1: I did my undergraduate education from um, in my home country, and the graduate school in Europe. Um, after almost. A decade.
0: I have moved to United States, and now I work here. Interesting. So, when you first got, what got you into to physics? Um,
1: it's it's a vague thing. I think I was always interested in physics and engineering because my parents have a science background. My dad is an engineer, and my mother was, had a bachelor's in biology. Um, she wasn't really a career woman, but somehow the, the, it's just the science was a normal thing at home. so I didn't hesitate when I chose physics. It didn't sound like a very odd choice, actually.
0: And why physics over biology or engineering or anything else? I
1: was just always fascinated by physics and I would say it was the hardest of the trial physics, chemistry and biology, the other two I found it less challenging as a school kid and somehow therefore I was like okay I need to tackle physics, I'm doing physics. I was good at it but among the three that felt more challenging or stimulating mentally.
0: And uh, did you have any role models, either people that you saw as scientists, apart from your parents, or, or as physicists? I come from a culture
1: where education has high importance, not necessarily for women and minorities, but in general education has high importance. Um, no, I did not have role models in my family or the closest surroundings or what I'm doing now. There are no researchers or even not many professors in the family. Um, I'm probably the second generation to get a university degree uh, in my family.
0: And what about in pop culture? Did you see anybody... Mm, no. <laughs> what, yeah. How, uh, di- how did, you, did you? How did you know what a scientist does, or how did you know what a it,
1: I does? just stumbled upon it, actually. Yeah, At I what just, age? Um, you know? After my bachelor's degree, so it wasn't very young. It's just I, um, I loved physics. I loved science, so I tried to learn as much, so it was clear that I was going to go for higher education, but research wasn't really in my mind until I went into the master's program and I saw the professors and you know, graduate students, the PhD students, and then I realized, well, I mean, this is something I could do, and I could do for lifelong, and I love physics, so that's when, so I wasn't really very
0: young, I was 19 or 20. And w- you started your masters when you were nineteen or twenty? Yeah, that's very young. That's an, uh, that's this about the
1: say uh, average age in my home country. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. We, finish we finish our, our okay. bachelors in nineteen.
0: Oh okay, because for us we finish bachelors at twenty two.
1: No, we do at nineteen. We start wow. school at three.
0: Okay,
1: wow. So okay,
0: that's so interesting. Yeah, I didn't. I I'd never heard that before.
1: That's interesting. They have raised the age to four now, Mm -hmm. but still a lot
0: younger than developed countries, let's say. Interesting. Yeah. Um, And were you aware of the gender gap when you uh, were going into physics, either in your undergrad or...
1: Not when I chose physics, because, uh, interestingly, I did my bachelor's program in a college for women. So the entire class with women. So I didn't think that physics was an odd choice at that time. But as I moved up to higher education, I realized that the numbers are falling really fast. And when I enrolled in my Ph.D., I looked forward and I realized there are not many that have moved beyond that line of Ph.D., and that's when I was very aware of the gender gap, but until my decision to do a PhD, I wasn't very aware. But in your master's, how many other women students were there? One third of the class, so we were 10 women in a class of 30.
0: Great. Um, and then when you went for your PhD, how many, do you remember what the ratio was there? The number of no, eight
1: out of ten of us we did move on to do PhD Uh but there is only one in research, which is me. And there are two more who are working as lecturers. But that's about it. Everybody has no left the physics.
0: I usually try to keep the anecdotes like specific and personal, but do you have a general idea of the kinds of factors that led these women to leave? Family. Okay, so families start, starting families?
1: Yes. Okay. Uh, as soon as the decision to move in with a long-term partner or starting a family comes up, it's typically women who compromise and uh, decide to step down, step back, however mm-hmm. we want to see it and uh, no do that. And that has been a major decision. In color. I see. Yeah. Um may I ask, do you have a family? Um I'm divorced. Okay. So I, I do have a partner but uh-huh. I mean I don't have any hesitation in saying that my career did play a huge role in the failure of the marriage. That is the reality, and I definitely would accept that. And I can tell you exactly for the same reason.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: so... Yeah,
0: can you explain what, um, if you
1: feel comfortable? Yeah, we married very early in the relationship, two years into the relationship, and we did ten years of long-distance marriage. Different countries, different continents. It didn't look weird or sound bad at that point, but when we actually then realised that there is a big difference in the career success or the way we have grown up to be a person in that ten years, we couldn't relate to each other anymore. So eventually when we, you know, started living under one roof, we realized that we are not at all compatible. And um, I think for women, this is a very... And I have heard it from many of my senior women colleagues, too. Career success affects personal relationships a lot.
0: Just to be super clear, when you say there's a difference in career success, I assume that means that your career was doing better than Sure, yes. And what did that... What, what exactly was how is that measured what it is it's, it's mean? human
1: psychology and that's where the gender gap or gender differences or what the society expects us to be comes into play because men are expected, there is a lot of pressure on them, so I'm not projecting them in a negative way, but that's how the society is functioning right now. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of pressure to be the more dominant one, the breadwinner, you know, The you know, and the women are typically expected to, to be in a little bit inferior or submissive role in a partnership. I mean, there are thousands of partnerships that are not like this, but this is like on an average the general expectation and so when when a woman is doing really well in a career like research or so, it's very intimidating for men and it doesn't make them feel good about themselves and that does create a lot of psychological yeah, barriers it, yeah. they no longer
0: can connect to the person Right sorry that happened
1: (laughs) it's truth (laughs) we learn it (laughs) we
0: learn it (laughs) yeah and you're not the first person to have said that no it it, it happens Um, and I
1: have had more than one person say this to me they have told me uh, not my current partner but anybody I have potential partners after my marriage failed they have all said that this is something they are worried about that they feel very intimidated an interesting thing for me is that I'm not an aggressive personality. I'm not loud. I'm not... My body language is not aggressive. But I'm confident and I'm very confident when I'm saying something because I, I don't say something if, when I'm not sure about it. You know, that's part of being a physicist. Yeah. And that's very intimidating for them because the surety in your tone Right and uh, the clarity in your thought is not. Help, it's not helpful for others. It brings them down a little bit.
0: And that was those are experiences here in America. No,
1: uh, everywhere,
0: everywhere. <laughs> it's. That's
1: I would say there is yeah. quite a bit of generalization to it, and in a way, America is one of the places where it's less. I have to say, that's
0: good to hear. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, it's good and bad to hear. Um, and did you talk to anyone about it? So, when your, when your marriage was, when you two were moving apart from one another, were there people you could talk to about how this had come about because of your career success? Yes. Who were these people? And from different parts mm-hmm. of my life, like
1: senior women colleagues, uh, I have talked to senior male. Uh, advisors, colleagues, and uh, family members who are not in science. Um, People who are not in science, they are actually very vocal about it. They are very quick to point out, even before I bring the topic up, that it was my career that killed the relationship. They are very quick to point out. It comes from a negative place, but there is quite a bit of truth to it.
0: What do you mean? It comes from a negative place.
1: Because they say, "Oh, if you didn't, if you weren't so um, aggressive and driven towards your career, you could have saved your marriage." That's a negative place because no, they said place. that I, I should have chosen marriage over my career. That's the tone of that discussion. But they are right. I mean, it's my passion towards my work or research that has been detrimental to the relationship.
0: And how, how, has that affected how you view your career or how you view personal relationships? To some extent, yes. Um, you know, when I considered the future
1: or potential partners after my marriage fell apart, I'm looking for these red flags.
0: Um, and
1: unfortunately, then, I'm, you no longer can approach a person or date a person without a certain barriers. So I look at the qualification, I look at the income, I look at the job. it's not necessary that they have to be up you no know, superior to me in all these categories but I find try to find areas where they're actually very satisfied and happy. So they don't have to have a PhD. They don't have to, you know, have a research career or a professorship or anything of that sort, but they have to love what they are doing, and they shouldn't mind earning a certain amount of money because they are happy with what, whatever they are doing. And I look for that satisfaction and passion in what they are doing because if it's not there, then they are going to compare themselves with me, and it's going to go downhill.
0: That's very interesting.
1: Yeah. I'm very particular. It doesn't matter even if they work in a clerical job, but if they love their job, that they see other things as you know, irrelevant. Okay. And it that's has been very helpful. That's honestly. very interesting. Okay. Yeah. No, I go by this. It's like one of the laws or rules I have to follow, and I would advise that everybody follows that.
0: So do you have other incidents as you were uh, going through your undergrad and grad and into your professorship? Do you have times when you felt discouraged apart from this, this incident? A lot of times. A lot of
1: times, I'm not sure if women from other countries feel the same way, but when I talk, speak for myself, I can tell you that I come. I grew up in a society where we did not have a lot of wars. Mm-hmm. So it has always been an uphill battle, it doesn't matter whether it was the choice of physics, it could be just a simple po- choice of what to wear or where to go. You know, So initially I did not, you know, also being young and having more energy, you don't realize it, you just fight the fight to move forward, um, but then it started becoming very obvious, like once you get to the level of, you know, beyond bachelor's degree, it starts to be very clear for you. Uh, probably also the wisdom that comes with age you start noticing and so I have had one of the professors um, in my master's program tell me I don't know why people like you come to study I never asked him for explanation but I'm sure it meant the community I come from and the fact that I'm a woman so he more or less said, uh, no, you, you are better off doing something else than trying to be a physicist.
0: And was this person in a position of authority over you in any way? It, it was my professor. Your the one who
1: was teaching the a course. particular course. Yes.
0: How many women were in that course?
1: This is so the class where we were 10 out of 30.
0: Did he say that to other women? Or is it just to you?
1: Nobody else has been really vocal about uh, anything, but I did share this with a few others um, and uh, it's also not like I'm, I was the poorest student in the class because I was among the top you know, 5% of the class so it was a bit shocking to hear that because I would have never considered myself to be in a place where people would have told me that I'm not capable of doing something Because I thought I I had clear evidence that I'm capable, but it did come, and it was very shocking, and I had, I'm happy that I didn't stick to that decision, but I told my classmates that I wasn't coming back. This was end of the first semester, and I packed my bags uh, and left for the semester break, telling people that I'm not coming
0: back. Because of that? Yes. Why did you take it so seriously, even though... Because the
1: way it was said and, uh, you know, the tone was very derogatory and, you know, the explanation that continued
0: uh, after... What was the ex- explanation it's,
1: It was more or less the exam grades and, yes, I did not have 100%, but there was no necessary necessity to be that aggressive towards me. So I felt really out of place. I felt very... Um, incapable, very demotivated, and I decided to quit. And I came back because I realized that I wasn't really as bad as he projected myself to be. And
0: what made you have that realization?
1: Just the display of the exam results. Like in <laughs> the United States, the grades are protected. No other student is allowed to see the grades of the classmates. But uh, the country I come from, we t- typically all the grades are tabulated and the ranking is made in the class, you know, 1 to 30, and it's dip- displayed on the notice board. And then when I realize my ranking is in the top five... I had no reason to quit. Yeah. But when I talked to the professor before this announcement on the notice board was made, he made it appear like I was the thirtieth person in the class.
0: Yeah. So he said this derogatory thing to you, and you just assumed that you were the worst. Yes. Because he hadn't said it to anyone because else. Because that's
1: how he said it. The way you yeah. know, he said it so rudely, and he's like, well, like it's almost talking about a piece of dirt, so it made me feel like I probably was in the wrong place. I see. And this was in Europe? No, this was in my home country, but but once I moved to Europe, it was um, not anything direct, but it's typically a judgment based on the gender or nationality. Um so it's harder to convince people that you're capable. It's harder to convince people that you're good doing good in what you're doing. And then discouragement comes in cultural aspects. Like people start asking you, Oh you're are you from this and this place? So do you know how to use our toilets? Do you know how to behave this way? Do you know how to use a spoon and knife and fork? Things like that. And that can be discouraging and very intimidating for some people. I, I don't um, get back off in a way from those things, but a lot of people, you know, they will feel very out of place and leave. So that has been constantly there, at least in the first few years. Once I could establish myself, then I had a support system. Even though this happens from people who don't know me, I had a support system that I could lean on to.
0: And does it still happen now?
1: Um, Nowadays, it's much more stronger. Because as a graduate student, they just see you as one tiny anomaly but when once you're on a faculty level they say like oh how did this person get here so that curiosity is a good thing you know i i like to talk as you see i share my experiences but this comes like i say there's a negative undertone like i was i was visiting a national lab um, to build network and start new projects and things like that and i was asked by Uh, one of the male scientists there, um, how I managed to get to the assistant professorship, it's kind of um, very surprising because women from countries like mine, it's a big deal if we had a bachelor's degree. So, you know, there should have been some advantage And he didn't stop there. He actually asked me if my husband was an American.
0: Did he think that you were in America and had gotten some sort of visa status because your husband was American? Yeah. They kind
1: of more or less thought, like, okay, no, somebody should have put you in the place where you are because it's not easy to get there.
0: And it would have been your husband.
1: Yeah, and I have had three instances in the three years as assistant professor where I meet people from other universities or institutions and they don't ask me what my research is or what I do for work, but they more ask me, are you married? Do you really have a family? Who's your husband? Is your husband from the same country as yours or is he American? And what does that affect on you? How do, you, how do you take that? I, I see this as something that could be very discouraging and demotivating because uh, nobody is actually looking at your work, at your research, but they are just curious about how you ended up. But this curiosity comes from a place where they think it's you no... Know, Highly improbable, but somehow it has happened. You know, that troubles me a little bit. You know, if you're right. just curious because you find me interesting and ask me questions, that's a different thing. Right. But here there's a very clear undertone which is like, oh wow, we wouldn't think you would make it here, but how come you have made it here? So
0: for me that would be particularly aggravating given the reason why your marriage will apply. Particularly given that. Yeah, and and this
1: was all happening around the same time. So it's very. So I have several nights thought about leaving because it's a lot easier to quit and take up something that's easier. I have a four year old. You know, it would have been more time. So you start thinking, you know, why am I fighting this futile fight? no it's easier to quit take a you no know, industry job have a better pay in principle academia doesn't but pay as better much better hours yeah and I have more time for my family and this yeah. is the decision a lot of women are making
0: and why are you still in academia
1: I don't know. I'm I'm just addicted to physics. I think I have not been able to quit, but I have been a fighter. Like I said, I come from a culture where we are strongly discouraged from all these, and I have always tried to be independent. It's just my personality I think I don't give up that easily which is a quality that's needed for a researcher so it's not surprising I just don't give up on my failures or discouragement I have to keep trying
0: till I succeed When was the last time someone said one of these comments to you?
1: A year ago, but I have been a little bit avoiding negativity in the last year out of my own choice. I what haven't really put myself out there in the sense I haven't travelled or I am not, I haven't met a lot of new people in the last half a year, let's say.
0: Okay, um, was that a conscious decision or was that just...
1: It was a conscious decision to cut down the negativity so that I can focus back on the signs. Um, which means
0: you haven't travelled as much? Yes. Does that mean you're not building your network?
1: I haven't... I have been slow on building the network, let's say, because I'm in an environment where people come to my workplace... That's right. So I rather keep it local where I'm more comfortable. It's just I haven't put myself out in a very vulnerable situation where I will come back discouraged. But it's definitely for a short time and I'm no longer doing it. Um, but these are just more related to my capability or so, but then gender related sexist comments come on a daily basis.
0: I mean, like, can you give me an example?
1: Like, they wouldn't say, hello, you look great. How is your work going? No, they would be like, did you lose weight? You look cute. But then there would be no questions about my work, you know? Mm-hmm. It's more like a status symbol or a placeholder in the department. Oh, we have three female faculties. They're yeah, all young and nice. No, something or the other. It's like we have faculties because we have to have female faculties. And that's not a good...
0: Right, they're to tokens. Be. Yeah. Yeah. And how does that, what does that affect on you, where people don't ask how you are and you seem to be... At your university, so that the university can, the department can say, look, we have three women faculty?
1: I cannot have an immediate reaction because I'm still a tenure earning faculty. So I generally smile it off and don't say much, but I do share it among my female peers so that. We look out for each other, keep uh, record of things because when things get beyond uh, what's accept or what's tolerable, then we probably have to definitely speak up. But um, it's harder to speak up for our tiny, or we have to pick our battles. Like if we start speaking up or correcting people on every small thing, then we get branded as somebody difficult to work with and that's very easy as a female researcher
0: yeah um, that's interesting so would you say that I like to ask people about um, what retaliation looks like as for you as an assistant professor um, what does what would retaliation look like retaliation would be
1: um, Having more difficulties in getting tenure, people refusing to work or collaborate. Like I said, this, oh, no, okay, this female professor, yeah, she's very difficult. No. You can easily offend her, or, or, you know. So standing up for yourself is not always considered as a positive thing. And these two are the Biggest issue, I think.
0: What happens if people don't work with you or collaborate with you? Mm. I mean,
1: it's like any other place, academia. It's not enough to be just intelligent or genius in the area of expertise. You, we have to have networks. Otherwise, we don't get in the right projects. You know, there there has to be senior colleagues, professors who are willing to mentor you. Everybody who have been very successful have definitely had mentors. Whether they label them as mentors or not is a different thing, but they have all had people who have given them hands to hold on to and walk past. Do you have good mentors? Um, I have been lucky enough to have that support system. It's not big, but they are very reliable. And I, I mean, I have to say, because I don't want, to want everything to be negative, but I actually met my mentor two days ago in this conference. I didn't know he was actually coming because he came from Europe. It's a mentor I have known for more than 10 years now. And so we had lunch together, and uh, I told him, I'm sorry I haven't written to you for a year because I've been minimizing my communication. And I said I just needed to get some things in order. And he said, don't worry, I know what has been going on. I have been keeping tabs on you, but I want to hear from you.
0: What does that mean? How did because he, he has been
1: ha- looking ha- out for me. He has been checking how I am doing, talking to people in the community I work, uh, and he has been hearing about me. But he just let me be because I didn't contact him. But the moment he had an opportunity to talk to me in person, he made it very clear that he, do- he is aware of what's going on, and that he's there to support me and we talked about how we can overcome some of the difficulties and no that
0: was very encouraging. And what uh, kinds of things do you think he's been hearing, if you don't mind me asking?
1: Um, more like more details of what I have told so far, like the personal difficulty I got into based on my progress in the career, but also some of the hurdles at my workplace, you know, like starting as an assistant professor is really not easy. Um, there's so much that goes into it that's not always taught in the graduate level or a postgraduate level like handling grants and the u- university is a highly political place too, and you don't know how to maneuver all those things and you know you kind of, know stumble upon help and support and find and when he's talking to people i think he hears about everything that's going on political decisions what worked in my favor not in my favor and all of those things so it's not just the negative things he's getting a complete update from different sources how, how did that make
0: you feel when you when he said that he's been keeping tabs on you
1: it made me feel very encouraged. It made me think, no, oh, you didn't have any reason to really quit because there are people who believe in you. There are people who are watching your back. You know, we might not be aware of it on a daily basis, but no, there is support. And it, no, I really feel motivated to continue and not give up.
0: Great. I'm glad to hear that. Um, I'm glad to hear that you have such a great mentor. Yeah, thank you uh,
1: I feel very lucky yes I have um, two mentors like that who um, are completely reliable totally watch
0: my back that's amazing it's been good that's really great yeah yeah um, what other incidents have happened at your university? You said there were some political decisions that have been made that didn't fall in your favor. Would you like to talk about those um
1: maybe one at least um, so the, the thing people don't tell or talk about um, uh, which is a big part of being a minority or female faculty in a university is that you are this token candidate and what uh, disadvantages come with that is that they make you a celebrity I call it disadvantage yes it gives visibility which is a good thing, but people don't see the dark side of it, which is you get dragged into everything that you could have avoided and maximized your efficiency in research. You get put on committees, you're dragged into multiple grants as co-PIs just because they want to have a minority representation. You know, not because your expertise is necessary for that project, but because they want a minority representation um, so that the funding agency likes the grant proposal more. And, you know, as a young faculty, you need, one needs to learn to recognize where you want to say yes you want to say no and to say no in a way that's not detrimental for future projects and uh, ev- ev- everything this is uh, this is not easy it is not easy and I, I think we lose a lot of I, I see like if a junior professor uh, if it's a male professor then they do work with a lot of constraints I see it like maybe 3 or 4 shackles or chains on you it's still constrained but maybe you can find a way to get rid of them but if you have like 10 or 15 on you you probably will give up halfway through getting them out you know (laughs) it's that's how I feel like because you get dragged into multiple projects you know they call you when it's press meet, you know, president's chat room or this and that. You're everywhere where it's all... Visible. Yeah, flashy and advertising and all that. But when it's actually a very serious, high productive research project, you're probably not dis- no included in the discussion or the consultation because there, you do, they don't see you as somebody who can do an intellectual input you know it's
0: that's challenging and it, it is how have you have you in the past three years have you learned to navigate the yes versus no and the being included in the serious scientific discussions have you managed to navigate that better? i
1: have learned to say a little bit mm-hmm. of no it's really not easy and there is no one rule to follow And I'm still learning, I have to say, I mean, there are some times where, you know, when the dean and, you know, the chair of the department calls you and say, okay, we want you to write this and this proposal because I think you would be the best candidate, it's easier to bring money or whatever, it's hard to say no.
0: Right, and it's the dean in the chair.
1: Yeah, especially if it's in the beginning stages of your career, you you really don't want to say no for that. So that that has been my situation. The incidents I have mentioned a few to you now already. Uh Um, Most of the incidents come in very of the same thing you know, they comment about your appearance or the clothes it's okay as long as they can move forward and talk about the science but that doesn't happen I have had uh, people treat me almost like a child or a high school student uh, because they have this prejudice in mind like no, I'm not good enough but that just simply comes from the fl- place that I'm a minority mm-hmm. there is no other reason for that yeah. Belief or uh, judgment. Uh, that has happened several times. Like I was a postdoc in, in, the, in the lab, and I was filling I was handling cryogens, and I had um, a slightly senior person, not a lot senior, um, run up to me and kind of talk to me in a scolding tone, you know, what are you doing? Do you actually know what you're doing?" You can hurt yourself with cryogens. And then, after saying it, then he asks me, so, what are you? You're a student. Whose student are you? You know? And then at that point, I had to tell this person, well, I'm a postdoc, so I have a PhD in physics already. I do know cryogens can hurt you. So... You know, they, yeah. there is a way to ask if they really cared that it wasn't done safely, they could have come and yeah. said, I feel that the way you do it could be unsafe, so, you know, do we need help or something of there that? There was a respectful
0: way to do that. Yeah. For sure. Um, how did that? How did that make you... What was that... I sometimes
1: get a bit defensive. I have to say, if 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 I can voice without fear of retaliation, I do. So in this case, I did have a very cold tone when I responded to this person, which more or less told, indirectly told him, I know what I'm doing. You, You better take. Go mind your business, kind of thing. I, I wouldn't put it that rudely, but my tone was very unwelcoming. But th- that was initiated by the other person. Yeah. And uh, that has happened a few times.
0: Have you ever proactively done or not done something so that you will be treated with respect, like preemptively? Um,
1: I. I have realized that I have been avoiding very feminine clothes, which I have cut back on a little bit nowadays because I feel like I'm in a place where I should be, you know proud of being a woman too. But I in the past, I have tried to underplay my gender by wearing unisex clothes and not really t- identifying too much on the femininity. And I, and I think there was quite some statistical truth to it. Most of the physicists, women, we don't dress very feminine because we wouldn't fit it, simply. Because if you dress nicely, if you look feminine, you're considered less intelligent. True. Uh, this is true yeah people can tell like I'm being very judgmental but that's honestly is the experience and reality yeah that's true
0: is there anything else Um, that you do to preempt sexism basically or no I, I feel a
1: strong sense of duty to continue to do what I'm doing because I want to show the next generations that No, there is no need to feel discouraged. Uh, They have to stand up and pursue their passion. And they can do it. Mm -hmm. They can do it because they have to see that there are people doing it before them.
0: Did you have people that you saw doing it before you? No. Did you have any women professors? I had uh, one. One or two.
1: But... uh, I don't see them completely as role models because they still took the channel that's a little bit gender stereotyped because they do computational work, which means they can be anywhere they want. For example, home, take care of kids, and work on the computer on the side, and you no, know, it's considered to be more flexible than an expert. I I work, do experimental work, which means I literally have to be present in the lab day or night and run my experiment. So I have to say, subconsciously, I have chosen the hardest path, but that's what I like. I mean, like I told you, I chose physics because it was the most challenging <laughs> among the three, so I think I somehow tend to do that.
0: Okay, um, that's funny.
1: But it's I feel like really I have a duty to you the younger you generations know. to show them that you know they have to strive harder to set examples for next generations and be successful themselves. I and mean, I believe everybody, we have to push ourselves to be a better person. If we cannot grow, then we are not human
0: anymore. So. Yeah. Um, so do you feel like you belong as a physicist? Like, do you feel like you personally identify as a physicist? And do you feel like you're recognized as such in the community?
1: Not always recognized as such, uh, but I do feel like I am a physicist. Um, I can. It's not like I haven't tried to do other things. So I have tried to do other things, and oh this is what I'm most comfortable with. I have tried to move into management, marketing. I've dabbled in things because, like I said, I, I I wasn't sure if this is what I didn't even know this existed until yeah. I was twenty. So I've tried other things, and I can I felt that I didn't fit there a lot more than being a physicist. Now, if you, if I take away people and the community, I know I'm a physicist. I'm very comfortable totally at home I, I know this is what I want to do rest of my life, only when the other factors come in uh, it weighs on uh, on me a lot more it's And do you
0: see that changing? Since the time you started?
1: It has changed a little bit in the sense now we are more vocal about it so acknowledgement is has to cure or change. So I think it's changing.
0: Good, I'm glad to hear that. I, I'm very
1: optimistic, but I'm Good. an optimist in general.
0: You kind of have to be, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so how about we finish with this last question? Uh, what do you envision a healthy physics culture would look like? So right now you've, you've just said that yes, you totally identify as a physicist and that it's when the when you step into the culture of people in the environment there, that, that becomes more discouraging. What would you imagine a healthy culture looking like? Healthy
1: culture, I mean, ideally would be one where the gender or identity of the person, not, not just the gender, but the place where they come from uh, on the map, is kind of overlooked, ignored, and people don't start with judgments. I know it's a human nature, but the you know, fact that we call ourselves scientists and more rational part of the human society, I think one has to learn to put that aside. And no, don't make any conclusions without evidence. I mean, I think that's a strong point of being a physicist, we cannot make up something when there is no evidence for it and I think they should follow it in the culture too don't assume anything you know, go right. without any judgment and yeah. it's possible it's possible it has been implemented in several places it's a re- well recognized acknowledged human flaw and I think one can work against you know, without it Yeah, it's effort but can be done. Are there other
0: things about the culture that you would see changed? Um,
1: Yes. I mean, there is this one thing about... I don't know if the other chemists or biologists or engineers feel that way, but there is this sense of pride in being antisocial. I don't know if I'm using the right words, but that's how that's how I would describe it. Like, one cannot be rude, unethical, or arrogant towards others and say, well, I'm like that because I'm a scientist or, you know, I'm not a people person or something like that. Um, I know physicists tend to lean a lot towards the... Asperger's um, spectrum, but that's not an excuse. When we can actually acknowledge it, know, it's a matter of training. You know. like, like parents told you, no, say please. No, you are not allowed to be rude to other people. I mean, that's something that can be learned. There is no pride in being antisocial, or at least rude.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: like saying, oh, I don't say hello because it doesn't. S- strike my mind I'm thinking about other things no we don't think about physics
0: 100% of the time so yeah we can afford to say hello <laughs> all right well thank you so much for spending time this is a busy conference so I appreciate you thank you finding almost an hour to sit down and record this I really really appreciate it thank you I hope it's useful <laughs> thank you me too <laughs> Thank you for listening. If you'd like to reach out about the project, please send an email to voicesinphysicspodcast at gmail.com.